the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Eighty-six boxing, you know what it is. Joshua City, eighty-six boxing.com. The podcast is brought to you by that. So much more, so on and so forth. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at eighty-six boxing, and it's going down. You know, we got a little rain going on here, perfect but uh, we're gonna push through it regardless. So it's a little bit gloomy in here, dark and gloomy. But uh, boxing is what matters. Let's jump straight into it. We already know what the deal is as far as the big event of the weekend. That was the Zone broadcast live from Madison Square Garden. It was Anthony Joshua defending his titles for the first time in the United States against Andrew Ruiz Jr. Now, by now, you already know that it was an upset. And it was a major upset, especially when you factor in that a lot of people from a casual perspective or just people in sports in general who aren't really dialed into boxing didn't really know Andrew Ruiz. Now, it ended up being a technical knockout via the seventh round. It was a damn good fight for what the expectations were because I think many thought that Ruiz would just automatically uh, be the taken out by Joshua. Um, leading into the fight, I have to be honest, I thought that Anthony, Anthony Joshua would win it. I figured it would go to a decision. Ultimately, I was wrong. A lot of people were wrong. There were some who said Ruiz was gonna win and they were right in this regard. Now, Ruiz has always been a fighter who hasn't necessarily been in what people would consider shape or whatnot. But he's been able to, you know, maintain himself up to the point of getting to this far in his career. He has fast hands. He has good placement as far as his feet and as well as how he places his punches. And that ultimately showed. So in the fight with Joshua, it started out as a rather, you know, testy round just to see how they felt each other out in the first second as well if you really factor everything in but it looks like Joshua might be the one that lands the or the more one to land the harder punches in the fight and that came to a fold in the third round when Joshua called Ruiz with what I believe was a left hook that dropped him 
and Ruiz was legitimately hurt, no doubt about it. He had a tough chin on him, he was legitimately hurt, but he was able to get up and he answered the count. And he was ready to go from there. And of course, Joshua, a lot like what happened in the Klitschko fight, he went in for the kill. And when he does so, he's acceptable to getting dropped. And that's exactly what happened. He was going in, he was leading off with a bunch of hooks and such. But Ruiz was able to catch him. He caught him clean and he hurt him. I believe it was his right hook. He caught him on the temple. And ultimately, Joshua went down. And Joshua was definitely hurt. He was wobbly. This was his third round. He got up. He was able to answer the count. Uh, Joshua was being Joshua. And Ruiz went back in. He was able to drop him again before that third round ended. And Joshua was still very much hurt. Uh, he was able to answer the count. And it essentially saved by the fact that the bell uh, rang uh, shortly after that second knockdown. But Joshua was on bad legs. He looked visibly shaky, and the question was whether he would recover. Now, fast forward to, no, I will say that the fourth round, it felt like that was a script for, hey, we're gonna just let this guy recover as far as release because he didn't do a lot at all in the fourth round. Now, I believe, I guess it was to pace himself, but at that point I was like, man, you're gonna really blow this thing if you don't do anything else, you don't pounce in, this is your moment. But he essentially paced himself. Not a lot went on in the fourth round. You could arguably give, have given it to Joshua. Same with the fifth. There was a little bit of a back and forth. Um, then leading into the sixth, similar uh, situation. Um, but ultimately in the seventh, after it was kind of a stalled round for the first several seconds, uh, Ruiz pounced in with a barrage of combinations, solid punches that were landing. Joshua wasn't ready ready for it. It was almost like Joshua, how Joshua pounced in on Klitschko in their fight uh, there in the 11th round, I believe, when he got that knockout. But Ruiz pounced in, dropped Joshua again. Joshua was once again hurt. I don't think he ever really fully regained his footing, regained his composure after that first knockdown or after that uh, third round situation where he was knocked down twice. So Joshua got up from this and the writing was almost clearly on the wall. Ruiz jumped back in, dropped him again. This time sent Joshua to a knee and Joshua basically lost his mouthpiece, fit it out, something happened. And it was pretty much over from there. Joshua was able to answer the count. The referee, I can't remember his name off top, but he's Canadian. He's out of Canada. I've seen him several times. He did an excellent job in this fight. He asked Joshua if he was ready to fight. Joshua did a circumventual nod that he was ready to go, but that wasn't truly what his body language was showing. And he had ample opportunity, so the referee waved the fight off because Joshua was just standing in the corner with his arms on the ropes and he was looking a bit lost to be honest with you uh he probably was concussed or something of that nature and bam just like that that wilder joshua fight is not necessarily out of the window but that sort of luster behind hey these could be the two big best heavyweights in the world is now gone um but hell of a job by Andy Ruiz Jr. He did his thing. He came in there with a plan, and he stuck with his plan. Even when he was hurt, he showed resilience. He fought back. Now, Ruiz is a Mexican-American. 
There was a lot of talk about being the first Mexican heavyweight champion. I guess technically, to a certain degree, he is. He's a Mexican-American heavyweight champion, but in order to be the actual Mexican, first Mexican heavyweight champion, I would presume he should be born in Mexico. Viva Mexico! But Andrew Ruiz Jr. just sent shockwaves down every weight class, basically. Shockwaves, shockwaves throughout the sport, throughout media. This is going to be played and mentioned on just like your news stations, things of that nature, people that typically are tuned in and dialed into boxing because it was a major event, a big event for Anthony Joshua being his first debut fight here in the United States at Madison Square Garden. And if you're talking about that punch as far as providing uh, sort of that publicity, that promotion, and that just excitement from a boxing perspective, it lived up to that height. Um, it provided that the outcome might not have been what Matchroom was expecting, but it was the outcome that was right for this situation. Now, the heavyweight division, it could go any way at this point. Deontay Wilder already announced this week that he's going to be taking on uh, Luis Ortiz sometime later this year. And then from there, he also announced that his match after that would be a rematch with Tyson Fury sometime in early 2020. So given such, it was already a situation where we weren't going to see a potential Wilder versus Joshua fight until late 2020 at the earliest. Now, this has thrown everything out the window. So Andy Ruiz is the guy now. He has the IBO, which is considered a major league. He has the IBF, the WBA Super, I believe, and the... Um, WBO heavyweight championship and it's going to be crazy so we'll see what the sanctioning bodies do if they start invoking some forms of mandatories and being ultimately some of the belts have to be broken up and vacated so on and so forth there's an immediate rematch clause hopefully the sanctioning bodies don't screw this up so there's still potential for a heavyweight unification and we can get all of those belts under one uh, banner or under one fighter uh, ultimately if they just have the rematch immediately, and then depending on the outcome and whether another fight happens after that, uh, basically uh, they can keep the belts basically in one location, knowing that that WBC belt is still out there. Then Tyson Fury being being the lineal champion, so whatever happens with him and Wilder in their rematch, that person is essentially going to be the lineal champion if it's an actual win uh, for either of them. Well, if it's a win for Wilder, he'll become the leading champion, but Fury will remain the same if he wins. Or if it's a draw, he will remain the lineal champion. But, man, it's just opened up the heavyweight division in a major way, and I hope that we capitalize on it from a boxing perspective, that being the sport in general, because for far too long we've had these situations, which just came to full now, where our fights are marinated promoters feel like oh yeah this they're not ready or this is a bigger fight later down the road then stuff like this happens now it could be a situation where the wilder joshua fight is still a major and huge fight which i think it should be because a loss doesn't necessarily dictate a person's career or dictates how great of a fighter they are 
um, but it's just in this day and age, there's so much weight on it. Will it be as big as it would have been had the two faced off, say, now or yesterday or later this year with the Joshua win? Probably not, but it's still going to be a big fight. I'm looking forward to it. And I think this adds, adds a bit of juice to the heavyweight division, a little bit more excitement. We all, well, many of us felt that Deontay Wilder lost to Tyson Fury. Some thought that Fury lost to Wilder by virtue of those two knockdowns and being given extra time, which I don't think was the case. We know Joshua just lost. It just still puts excitement out there. So we still don't know who the best heavyweight in the world is. I thought it was Anthony Joshua. And it may very well still be the case, but uh, I don't know. He had some bad looks uh, last night, um, but he may be able to recover for that. He definitely needs to maintain his focus. He needs to get in the gym. He was in Miami. That might have been a factor, too. Come on, man. I know that uh, USC it was a major thing for him. He was getting a lot of publicity, more so than uh, Deontay Wilder, who is from here, basically. But yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens from here. But I'm just looking forward to what transpires over the next several months. And I just say, bring it, baby, bring it. Um, I'll move on, just keep this brief. Also on this card, Caleb Smith looked damn good in dispatching of... Hassan and Dom, and he knocked him down like three or four times. Let me see if I can pull up uh, some information in that regard. But it's a third round TKO, I know that for sure. Um, but this was for the WBA Super and WBC Diamond, all of these different names for belts, but Super Middleweight Championship. Um, Kalen Smith, man, he's the best 168 pounder in the world. Would have loved to see him go against Zerto, but Zerto has now moved up. Kalem did what he had to do. He came in here and took out Ndam. Ndam is a very good fighter. I would say he's a B-level fighter anytime he stepped up and fought the truly elite or someone on that A-level. He's lost, but he's definitely always been a serviceable guy. He's like one of those guys you can step in with and know that you're going to get a good test uh, as a boxer. And it will be a good win for you. In this case, he was moving up to 168, or he may have been at 168 in... Uh, yeah, yeah, he was moving up. So I think this was his first fight at 168. So that was already going to be a long shot for him anyway because Caleb Smith is no joke. He's a big super middleweight. He'll probably end his career at light heavyweight, to be honest with you, or at cruiserweight, potentially. It'll be light heavy or cruiserweight. He's a big super middleweight, and he put a hurting on and um, dropped him a few times in that fight. Uh, the first one was a short left hook, left check, uh, check left hook that basically had Indom out in dozy. I think that was the first round. It only went three. Probably shouldn't have gone three, to be honest with you, because Indom from that first check hook was basically out of it. He was essentially fighting on muscle memory, boxing on muscle memory, and I didn't see a potential for him to do anything to hurt. Caleb Smith, and he didn't do anything to hurt Caleb Smith, so damn good win for Caleb Smith, defended his titles, he moves on, hopefully to take on, say, David Benavidez, is David Benavidez coming back, I heard his name mentioned out there somewhere, is he ready, who knows, David Benavidez, that could be the guy, 168 is pretty much open at this point, let me uh, take a look at things, see who some of the guys out there, because... 
hey, it's pretty much wide open for him. And I think that Caleb Smith is the top guy at 168 pounds. All right, yeah, I did pull up some stuff. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Eubank Jr. is there, which I think Caleb Smith would handle him. Uh, as well as Billy Joe Saunders, who recently moved up. Gilberto, that would have been the fight, but it's not happening. Then Jesse Hart who lost twice to Gilberto Ramirez. Uh, but I think that would have been a good fight, him and Caleb Smith, uh, because they're two big super middleweights. But uh, uh, hard work, hard. He's moved up to 175 pounds as well. So that leaves the likes of Willie Monroe, who's, uh, yeah, he would win. You know what? A good one would be, I don't know, Jose Luz Cadigui, uh, Caleb Plant. I think Caleb Plant, yeah, that would be a damn good one. Caleb has a fight coming up. Um, if that would happen somewhere down the road, I think that would be a very good fight. Caleb Smith versus Caleb Plant. And I think that's two interesting styles. Uh, both of them are uh, very technical. Um, a little bit slicker on the Caleb Plant side. He, he's a little bit smoother, more fluid. But Caleb, he can put every punch together. That would make a damn good fight. And Caleb Smith... Uh, Caleb uh, Plant came through in a big way in his last fight when he took out Jose Uz Category. Many people didn't think he would pull it off because Uz Category is a tough guy and he could bring it and he could hit. But uh, Plant showed that he was the superior boxer and he basically dominated Uz Category. So Caleb Plant versus Liam Smith, or not Liam Smith, but Caleb Smith might be the big fight at 168 pounds in the future. And then if Benavidez at some point is ready, David Benavidez, that is, then maybe that one will happen. But as far as up top, that's kind of how it is uh, as far as uh, where 168 stands. Um, now, also on this card, Katie Taylor was in a fight with Delphine Prusun to unify the 135-pound division for the females. And... This was no doubt the best fight on the card. So this was lightweight. All the lightweight titles are on the line. Best fight on the card. It lived up to the hype. And these girls brought it. And that makes it two consecutive weeks because last week I was out there at the MGM in National Harbor and I thought Jessica McCaskill against uh, Anahi Sanchez was the best fight of the card as well. And they both brought it. Um, but in this fight with Katie Taylor and Pursun, a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth. But Pursun brought it from the jump. She came in ready. She wasn't as fundamentally sound as and skilled as Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor had that strong amateur background with her. And you could see it when they were fighting in terms of how Pursun was going in, lunging in, and sometimes she was leaving herself open and acceptable to taking shots from lunging in, uh, definitely overextending herself. But she brought it every round, and she outworked worked Katie Taylor, in my opinion. But she ultimately won. Uh, Katie Taylor won the fight via uh, majority decision. One judge had it 95-95, then the other two had it 96-94. Now, it can be considered a controversial decision, but it's not a robbery. It's a... Uh, and some might argue uh, that it's not controversial. There's a lot of back and forth. I would have to look at the fight again. At the time of watching, I thought that Pursun did enough to win and unify the division or become the undisputed champion. 
and Judify basically the same thing. Um, man, pursuing broader. And they were digging it out. Both of them were digging it out, gutting it up. She was snapping Katie Taylor's head, head back. This was the toughest fight Katie Taylor had been in. Katie Taylor was out of breath after the fight. Pursuing, uh, I just felt bad for her because you know that she came in 100%. She didn't let the moment be too big for her. And she just ultimately lost one of those close, close decisions that ultimately could have gone either way, to be honest with you. If it would have gone the other way, I don't think people would have been as uh, mad or whatnot. Because just from face value alone, it looked like Pursuing outworked Katie Taylor and should have uh, walked away with the W there. But the judges, they see what they see. They see the different sides of the rings. And sometimes it doesn't go the right way. But I think the judging should be better, definitely. But and I, was, I tweeted that during the fight in itself or after the decision was announced. But I need to go back and look at it with you know a different lens on um but just watching the fight it was exciting both of them hats off to them and hopefully we can see some additional type of uh unifications maybe katie taylor will move up even though it'll be kind of a two division jump but maybe she'll move up to take on cecilia breakers um we'll see you know but they should do an immediate rematch uh, actually that should be the first thing first order and this could lead to a trilogy but put this fight back on and make it a headliner, for instance. I think that the, both of these ladies brought it and they deserve a round of applause. Delphine, Delphine Pursum, she came in at 43-1, super experienced. She hadn't lost since 2010. Um, I think at one point in the broadcast that the zone team was saying that it was a step up for Pursum. GTFOH, that's all I have to say. But that was a damn good fight, um, and we'll see what transpires from here. Hopefully, an immediate rematch. I feel bad for Pursue, but congrats to Katie Taylor. Close fight. Sometimes stuff happens. Um, I need to watch it again, and we'll see what happens from there. Now, another fight that was on this card worth mentioning, uh, Josh Kelly. He took on Ray Robinson. Now, Kelly and Robinson... Ended up getting a draw, and it's not Sugar Ray Robinson. He's not named after the box. I'll make that point in that out. But anyway, he got a draw. Uh, well, it was a draw between Joshua Kelly and Ray Robinson in a rather uneventful at times fight. Um, and that's primarily due to Josh Kelly. He was doing a lot of showboating, a lot of posturing. I know he's disappointed with the fact from what I've seen from his Twitter and the stuff he's retweeted. He's definitely disappointed with the fact that he got a draw. He feels as if, and, and many, some people feel it's a robbery. He's retweeted some things that makes one feel that he thinks it was a robbery as well. And I think he's far off base there. Ray Robinson, I like him. He's the type of guy that comes in, does his job. You know, he have, doesn't have anything over glamorous about him. Doesn't have anything uh, as far as his skill set and his attributes that stands out or sets him apart from anyone else, he just takes a workmanlike approach. He did so with Kelly. So while Kelly was showing that he is probably, arguably, the most talented guy in boxing, he didn't do enough to warrant him getting a victory in this fight. And if he would have lost, then I don't think that a lot of people would have been uh, shot because 
he did a lot of posturing and chill building, and I think a draw was fair. Uh, and Ray Robinson, he stayed professional the entire time, and he, you know, did what he did. This is his second consecutive draw. Now, Joshua Kelly, that, hey, I, I like him. I think he's one of the most talented guys out there, one of the most talented prospects that he is. And he's had a lot of momentum. His last two fights, had, he just, while he's looked good as far as his talent is and his athleticism, it hasn't been anything overly, uh, it hasn't been anything that makes, that would make one want to tune in if they're seeing him for the first time because of the fact that he, he didn't really bring it to the degree that uh, his talents would seemingly lead up to lead one to believe that he has uh, the capabilities of being you know, better in there or he, he has the capability of even at this stage um, stepping it up more and this was a step up fight for him but Josh Kelly did not live up to just his height in a New York debut in Madison Square Garden man you gotta bring it you gotta come out guns blazing Nobody wants to see you lay against the ropes with your hands down, posturing, and trying to show us that, oh, yeah, I'm not being hit, even though you were taking some shots while you were doing that ducking and dodging. New York City, prime time. This is your chance. I was telling, like, my girlfriend, for instance, like, hey, this guy is one of the ones to watch. But tuning into the fight, she was turned off. And unfortunately... If Josh Kelly doesn't get his act together, then that's going to be the case moving forward. And if he's in with a tougher, with a, a puncher or something of that nature doing that same stuff, he's going to get clipped and he's going to go down and he's probably not going to get back up. Um, so Josh Kelly, man, get your stuff together. Uh, Chris Algieri, he got a W on this card as well, defeated Tommy Coyle. It was a good fight, very back and forth. Um, man, Algieri's eyes were swollen. Uh, it was stopped actually. Uh, Coyle's turn corner stopped it. Went round. This was it was. Uh, I had to double check what the round was, but Coyle's corner stepped in after it was becoming less and less competitive for him. Round eight, he was taking a lot of damage. Now Chris Algieri, he's on a comeback. I think this is his third fight from his comeback. Or, yeah, this was his second fight from the comeback. And he looked like Chris Algieri looked prior to him leaving. He, he was very offensive uh, in this fight, but took a lot of shots. Now, there was a bunch of talk of him taking on Maurice Hooker for, for the 140-pound strap. I think Maurice has, may have the WBC. Um, I'll have to double-check. But I think that is just crazy. Algieri hasn't done anything to deserve a 140-pound title shot two fights removed from being absolutely blasted by Errol Spence, uh, Errol Spence Jr., even though that was at welterweight, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know, Algerian, he's a good guy, love him to death as far as I think he's a stand-up individual, he'll get out there and fight, but he should not be fighting Maurice Hooker for a title, now politics probably have come into play, things of that nature affiliation may make it happen but I don't know man, that's not the fight I want to see I'd rather see Hooker rematch Salcedo to be honest with you but we'll see, um, I just wanted to put that out there, I saw that Aligo uh, Centino Jr. lost to Willie Monroe um, I haven't seen that fight but uh, I'm just looking now and I see that 
which is interesting. So that might be two drop back, uh, no, so it was a unanimous decision and Centino, he had picked up a win in a rebound fight from that Charlo fight in 2018 where he was knocked out. He just lost a decision in Willie Run Row. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, Joshua Buatzi, he was on this card as well. He he fought on his, uh, he's a light heavyweight. He looked very good. Um, still some things to work on, but he looked very, very good. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I want to get into that. Yeah, that's worth discussing right at this very moment. I will say that I was at that Haney fight and knocked out of the year. In my opinion, it surpassed that Brazil fight because it was, uh, yeah, it's just, I just felt like it was an excellent performance. Him and Tia Lopez getting it on would be a treat for boxing fans. Hopefully we don't let that marinate. Zab Judah's making a return this weekend. He's taking on Cletus Seldin. Now, I know the old Zab Judah would have just destroyed this guy. Absolutely, it wouldn't even have been a competition. But we'll see what happens here. I saw him at the Haiti fight. He seemed to be in good spirits, seemed to be in good shape. We'll just see. He hasn't fought in a while. But Cletus Seldin is the type of guy he should beat because from a technical standpoint, Cletus Seldin... Uh, Saldine is nowhere near Joshua or Zab Judah's class, so this fight will be telling. And if Zab doesn't win, or convincingly at least, he should definitely hang him up. That's just my opinion. All right, 86lasting.com's already gone for a good long period. You know, I got love for all y'all out there. Be sure to check me out. Stay up. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Hi, it's Carl Deichler, CEO of Beachbody, and I'm giving away 10,000 free memberships a week to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Pick any program and just follow it step by step, like our 21 Day Fix program or the Ab Shredding Muscle Burns Fat program. Plus, there's free support in personalized fitness groups with our community of over 2 million members. Now is the time, so don't wait. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.